0: Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I'm joined today by a special guest, one of the most trusted reporters and sources within the Big East, Kevin McNamara. Kevin, I think I might have seen you in New York in March, but that seems like five years ago. If you did, uh, it was quite quick uh, because <laughs> we weren't there
1: very long. Um, it's it's. It, it, it seems like it was just around the corner, but then again, uh, it was a long time ago, and the world has changed an awful lot over that period of time.
0: It has, and there's there's a couple of things I want to get to with you today, but one of the things the world has changed is, Kevin, you've been with the Providence Journal for so long, and I know I was sad to see when you told everyone that you were stepping away, but luckily, I was hoping that this would happen. You did not step away for very long. You now are back with Kevin mcsports.com. Tell us a little bit about how that happened. Yeah, and we can say Kevin Mac Sports. I know that okay. confuses some people, but it
1: is. Uh, I'm going with Kevin Mac Sports.
0: Okay, sorry. Um,
1: so, so after 31 years, uh, I did leave the Providence Journal. Obviously, some major challenges in the newspaper yeah. industry right now, um, and you know, it's just kind of spent the summer uh, assessing what the media landscape is going to look like. And in all honesty, Bob, I, I'm not quite, I don't know if I have any answers on that, but that's to be determined with, with the virus and uh, being a sports writer in this circumstance in, in this environment is just, you know, wow. I mean, no one goes to games. If they do go to games, they're so far away from the players and coaches that they're in a different area code and everyone interviews everyone via zoom. That that's a world that uh, no one could even fathom. Back on March twelfth, the last time we saw each other, yeah. and yet th- that that's the deal going forward. And um, I'm willing to give it a shot. Um, I'll I'll be curious how it looks this year in college basketball. And more importantly, if, if we're only looking at a short window of this type of media environment, it's it's not something that I'm overly excited about. Uh, if this is going to be the case uh, going forward uh, for the next you know, 5, 10 years. It's, uh, it's not what I signed up for.
0: It's, yeah, it's not what anyone signed up for. I don't know if you've been covering games. I actually I did about 12 Nats games, and I've been to two, um, I'm going to get this right, Washington football team games so far. And yes. as you know, particularly in baseball and football, there's so much opportunity to grab guys on the side you know, baseball pregame and postgame, NFL more postgame because the locker room's mayhem. But when you're there and you're just kind of like, what am I really here for? You know, what, mm. what, what am I really here for? But that being said, how much providence are you going to dedicate Kevin Max Sports to? Yeah, so the good news about uh, this new project is uh, for anyone who follows me
1: over the years writing about the Red Sox or the Patriots, Mm-hmm. Uh, or the Celtics, uh, I'll still dabble in that, I guess you'd say, especially if one of the teams is rolling a little bit. But 90, 85% of the site is going to be college basketball, very heavily Providence College, uh, University of Rhode Island, and the Big East. The, the, those are the three uh, things that are going to take up the bulk of my time. Uh, is, is that a year round uh, full time job? Uh, probably not. But uh, at my age, I'm uh, 53. Uh, My kids are out of college. Uh, I'm willing to, again, be my own boss, try something different, uh, and and really go in deep uh, on the stuff that interests me the most, and that always has been college basketball.
0: I I can't even tell you how great kids out of college must be to utter as someone with a (laughs) (laughs) three-year-old. Wow, wow. Three-year-old, wow. And of all all the times in my life to have a three-year-old, I don't think the pandemic was the best the best. Time.
1: Well, well the, the 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 bad news, well maybe the good news. I'll spin it in a positive direction. <laughs> the good news is when your is it son or daughter? Son, yeah. When your son is ready to go to pre-K uh, in, in a year or two, uh, you will be prepared to act as that teacher from home that all <laughs> of uh our friends and uh, foes are dealing with in, in school-aged children right now. I, I can't even imagine h- how they can get their arms around that, but it, it's a challenge that uh, well, all of America is dealing with.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, so before we try and figure out how in the world the best basketball conference, the Big East is going to play games this year, um, I think we should first talk about it, – it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but it's almost been two months. Um, the Big East, college basketball, the world really lost a great man in John Thompson Jr. And while he is D.C. through and through, um, you know, he he was up in your neck of the woods. He was a great star at Providence, and he played for the Celtics for a couple years. And I know more recently, since Ed Cooley's had the job up there, um, he's had a relationship with um, – Ed as well. So what was that news like? Um, obviously it was a big blow to the college basketball community in the Big East, but more specifically Providence because of his relationships up there. No question. It, uh, big John's uh,
1: death was certainly felt at Providence College and in Rhode Island in general. This is a college basketball state. Uh, the Patriots and the Red Sox hold an awful lot of sway with Boston being only 45-50 minutes away, but Uh, College basketball is what Rhode Island calls uh, its own, and there's so many Providence College fans who who, uh, became uh, basketball fans, Friar fans, during that early 1960s era where John Thompson was a a giant name in in Rhode Island basketball. Uh, Providence uh, really was put on the map in the late 50s, Joe Mullaney, who belongs in the Hall of Fame, by the way, um, was hired to coach uh, the team. And one of his very first recruits was Lenny Wilkins, who went on to an NBA Hall of Fame career as, as a player and a coach. Uh, and, and then he hit a couple of home runs uh, really through the Celtics. The Celtics, uh, the NBA in that time had a territorial draft. yeah. And um, uh, obviously, Washington, D.C. is not... Uh, the territorial draft area of the Celtics, but Bill Russell was the Celtics at the time. And John Thompson and Bill Russell uh, had a relationship even back then. Uh, he was his idol, uh, and John Thompson wanted to go to college uh, to some extent in uh, the area of to be able to watch Bill Russell. And that's one of the reasons he came to Providence. Uh, he teamed with Jim Hadnot, who was even bigger. Hadnot was about 6'11", 7 feet, uh, I think they listed John at about 6'10", and Providence yeah. had these two twin towers, and they ended up winning the NIT when the NIT was a really big deal uh, in 1961 and 63, with John being being a real focal point in 63. Uh, by the way, his freshman coach at Providence, someone Gavit. named Dave Gavitt. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the roots, John Thompson's basketball formative uh, time uh, was certainly at Providence College.
0: And then um, as far as his relationship with uh, I know he had been close or at least, you know, with with Ed Cooley, as far as when I would, you know, one, one of the best parts about covering games like we do, you get there early, you kind of see what's going on. And, you know, every time Providence visits, Ed would always find a way to go over there and sit. You know, John had that had that, you know. That place on the baseline, you knew it was you yeah. know, the, the the huge chair, and you kind of, you know, everyone kind of goes up there and kind of pays their respects. But Ed was someone that would consistently do that. Well, uh, he certainly did. Uh, one of Ed's best friends in
1: coaching was John John's Son, uh, John the Third. Yeah, uh, spent an awful lot of time. Uh, their two families together back when Ed was the coach at Fairfield. And uh, there's no question that uh, one of Ed's mentors, maybe biggest mentor in in coaching to guide him along the way, uh, number one was Al Skinner, who Ed worked with at Boston College, but Al had a tight relationship with John Thompson, uh, the father. And every Final Four, uh, Ed would always be in a group of minority head coaches who would convene with John Thompson, where we'd pick everyone's brain, everyone from John Cheney to Nolan Richardson to John Thompson, uh, and then obviously to, to, ha- to for John to see that his alma mater, Providence, would hire uh, its very first African American head coach and, and a protege like Ed Cooley. Uh, I know that made John Thompson smile. And by the way, that that chair, that that spot along the baseline. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been to a lot of Hoya games over the years. I covered the Big East. What's going on? You know, It's a little more than 30 years. And John's been in that seat since uh, he retired. And I think he knows my name, but I'm not sure. But I know he knows where I'm from because I'd always walk by and I'd say, Hi, Coach. And he'd look at me and he'd just say, Providence. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, I don't know if he knew, knew my name, but but he knew – uh where i came from uh, uh i don't know if he knows providence journal uh but he knew that i was uh always covering the friars and uh, that was good enough for me by the way
0: absolutely um to get that kind of recognition from you know basically one of one of the architects and as we've been hearing about so much all the stories are coming out you know much more particularly in this time you know this day and age and last however many months um he was more important to the world than just basketball um so sure,
1: a, a man uh, truly ahead of his time bobby i, I went to school at syracuse so oh, no I, this was this, this was going so well uh, oh yeah i, I mean <laughs> I, I i i have the hoya uh, paranoia from way back and, okay. and, and and i was in school when patrick ewing was in school so it, it, it was it's true old school big time john thompson the whole aura—I I, I lived it, felt it, uh, and really respected it. And as a Syracuse person, uh, they certainly were the number one rival. There's no two ways about that. But I really respected the Hoyas. I, I actually played high school basketball against Patrick Ewing. So, uh, wow! So do know, we have any footage of all this on YouTube? Uh, no, because it, it would it would end with with a ball uh, on top of my face. So that <laughs> I will never never uh, uh, see the light of day. <laughs>
0: That's awesome actually. Um, yeah. So, you know, like, like you mentioned um, Gavitt had passed and um, you know, Thompson's passed and um, you know, those guys were so influential and really, you know, changing college sports, right. With the, you know, with the way ESPN was coming about and they're both involved with the Olympics at, you know, one point, I think 80 and 88. Um, so, you know, and a couple of years ago, Raleigh passed, Louis still kicking around. Yeah. Um, amazing.
1: He's 90 plus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you know, as, as, as we keep getting older, these guys that you just, you know, you think you're going to live forever. They don't, but um, he's, he's been honored really well. And I was glad that he was able to be around when the Thompson center opened because I think far too often in sports um, fields, courts, gyms are named after people after their past. They don't get to sort of, you know, enjoy it. So I thought that was a really big thing that Georgetown was able to get that done. I totally agree.
1: Um, when my daughter was looking at schools uh, six years ago, uh, we, we toured Georgetown. I had been on the campus a handful of times, had been in McDonough a handful of times, but never really seen the entire campus. And yeah. at the time, the Thompson Center was, was being built. Uh, and uh, people said, well, this is where the statue is going to go. And I felt like saying the statue should have been up 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> I mean, John Tom- Georgetown's a great university for a lot of reasons. Uh, But but I think uh, John Thompson's run of success in in the seventies, eighties, nineties elevated it uh, to a to a totally different level, and uh, I give them credit for honoring uh, him in the way that they have.
0: Yeah, they've definitely done a good job. Um, So okay, so it's we're recording this on October twentieth. Hopefully, it'll be out later today. If not, on the twenty-first in the morning. But normally. We would be looking at almost being able to touch college basketball season. They've pushed it back to November 25th, which you might remember. I remember as a kid, that's kind of when it usually started anyway. But how close do you think we really are to to playing games as far as there's just so much that goes into this? I know we spoke a little bit earlier. You've got 11 different areas, 10 states, and then D.C. is you know its own thing. That all have different, different levels of protocols and quarantine and all these things. When do you think we might, we, we might see a schedule or you know, do you think this is going to happen when, when they are planning on it happening?
1: Yeah, well, the, the Big East Media Day is actually scheduled uh, for next week. Uh, I really can't wait. Uh, virtually, virtually, Media... Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, really can't wait for Zooming with eleven different coaches and players. They probably should space it out over three days because, uh, I, I mean, I'm okay on Zoom for about a half hour, maybe forty five minutes. This could be a ten hour slog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 my Zoom might blow up. Uh, next uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever day it is. Uh, but I would imagine they'd have a, a rough schedule by then uh, okay. to deal to deal with the uh, TV. Uh, t- TV is really important, uh, obviously with with Fox trying to fit everything in. When, when they kick games back, they're going to play at least four games a piece, or try to, in December in a tight window in December. Uh, and those are league games. Those are games that people, you know, w- will want to see. Yeah. And to get them all on Fox and and F- FS1 and blah 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 is definitely a challenge, uh, but 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 the, so that's the answer with the schedule. But more importantly is, as you said, eleven different markets, eleven different uh, uh, areas of the country that that the virus is rolling through at various stages. And again, on our October twentieth, one of the worst places in the country right now is the state of Wisconsin. Uh, I don't know what the story is in the city of Milwaukee itself. I'm sure it's not good, but if Marquette wanted to come to Providence and play tomorrow, I don't know if the state of Rhode Island would would, would let them do it. Um, so who knows what the world looks like uh, in, in mid-December when the Big East is going to try to play some games. Uh, but uh, fans, and I, well, fans need to stop paying attention because I can tell you right now, Big East – Uh, uh, commissioners and assistant commissioners and all the athletic directors and coaching staffs uh, at the league uh, are watching that thing very, very closely.
0: Do you think we might have a situation? I I know people here in the DC area because DC has been, they've got tighter um, restrictions than say, I live just in the outskirts um, outside the beltway in Virginia. Hmm. Have there been any, any, ideas of teaming schools up like you say hey marquette guess what you need to play your games we need a fs1 inventory you're going to need to just camp out at you know pick whatever school you know for instance like could georgetown play games at george mason or de- how far do you think the contingency plans have sort of been been thought of and has there been any thought of a bubble
1: yeah uh, i know that uh in december anyways uh, which actually it coincides with final exams at an awful lot of schools, and that's another uh, issue at a lot of these uh, colleges. Uh, they don't want to have to do a bubble uh, in December. Uh, I think if they, all of a sudden, the December games can't happen for some reason, uh, the Big East won't be playing 20 games. They'll be playing 17 or 16. And if we still have problems in January, and I, I can see... Uh, if things don't go well in December, I, I can see uh, a bubble in January uh, just to get games in. A- as two different head coaches told me, uh, that we don't know if we can get to 20, uh, but the goal is to get to 14 because 14 is the minimum number that the NCAA is asking teams to play in order to be considered for the NCAA tournament. Um, it's also a number that coincides with what the ivy league if the ivy league plays at all they, they may not play there's reports this week that harvard is about to pull the plug on on winter and spring sports as well uh, who knows if the rest of the league uh, follows suit but uh, that number 14 was basically designed for the ivy league because they knew that the ivies weren't going to try to play any non-league games before january 1st so anyways if uh, georgetown for example wants to play 25 games and throw that on the schedule and give it to their fans the next couple of weeks. The number that to get to is 14 and, and there's several schools who they have their fingers crossed that they can get to 14 Forget get about 25.
0: Yeah. And then, so 27 was the number that was given. If you're in an MTE event or I'm sorry, I shouldn't say event after that, but if, if you're part of one of those, yeah. one of those events, um, we've had some, some schools, I know last, last night, uh, John Rothstein uh, tweeted out that George Channel wasn't going to play. They're going to play at 25, and I believe, I believe in the Big East, I believe Butler and DePaul have already had already made that decision. Um, you think that's that's going to become more of the norm as we kind of get closer to the date?
1: I, I, I I'd go the other way. If I was okay. an athletic director, I'd try to schedule whatever the NCAA says I can schedule. I, again, knowing that I'm probably not going to get to that number. So, so Providence, for example, is playing the Maui Invitational in Asheville, North Carolina this year. Uh, bad news for Kevin Mack Sports. I will not be making my <laughs> de- debut in Maui. Uh, and who knows, they might not let me in the arena in Asheville. Uh, that, that remains to be seen. But uh, the, Providence is pretty – they're pretty confident that they can get those three games in and, and, and thrilled that they can put three games uh, in, in their back pocket. In the first, by the first couple days in December. Uh, I would encourage teams to try to play the MTEs just because you're in a bubble and you can put multiple games, again, in your satchel and go forward. The, the, the tricky games are, for example, I don't know who Georgetown's set to play, but if Georgetown is supposed to play um, you know, someone from Maryland, Towson. Uh, well, Towson is getting in its bus and driving – uh, to McDonough Arena, and you know you don't know how Towson has been testing. You don't know how often. You don't know what type of test. You can't mandate what Towson is doing. We're in a league. Uh, I would imagine that the Big East is trying to be as homogeneous as possible among all 11 schools because that is the big equalizer that, that these schools are looking for. That, that's what college football has tried to do. And, you know, if you're paying attention to college football, they've lost almost 20% of their games to uh, to cancellations or postponements. And, and that's what college basketball would like to avoid.
0: Isn't it sort of crazy? And I know it doesn't seem that long ago, but 2013 was a long time ago. And I remember Kevin, you were one of the guys that was kind of always breaking the news of what realignment's going to happen and what's going there is how much that realignment and it wasn't just 2013 it was happening before that but it kind of built up to mm. 2013 but it seemed silly then to do everything based on football and then when you look now and you know the Big East has a school in Nebraska i mean obviously Marquette was already in at that point but you know what i mean like it would it'd be sure. easier to manage how you're playing these games if you were if your conferences were geographically based which that got thrown out you know so many years ago No football,
1: uh, I've been an outspoken critic of college football and the way it's been managed forever and ever. And, boy, it's coming to roost uh, right right now in in this circumstance. I I don't know if they're going to get to the bowl games. Uh, They're certainly hopeful. But when you see what's happened at schools like Baylor and even Notre Dame, you know, had to shut down for a while, uh, you just wonder if they can play a full season um and you know to get on a how about west virginia you know getting on planes and flying to iowa state for football games i mean it's moronic it makes no sense at all except on payday and college football sold its soul for money uh 20 years ago uh the big east uh, obviously split because of that reason and big east basketball you know to their credit uh that they had to follow form as best they could to be as strong as they you know as, as they'd like and you know, now stretches from Rhode Island and D.C. all the way out to Nebraska, yeah. and you know I think that works uh, for men's and women's basketball. It it, it doesn't make any sense uh, going forward for these minor sports that 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 don't bring in any money. Uh, there's nothing wrong with Georgetown soccer, for example, which has a very good program. Providence soccer, good program. Defending uh, national
0: champs, Kevin.
1: Oh, I knew they were good. I didn't know they won the whole show. Well, congratulations oh, yeah. to the Hoyas. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, and and they would still be a national championship contender going forward if they played. Uh, you know, they can come up to play Providence, no problem. They want to play St. John's. They they want to play Villanova, whoever they play. But there's no reason to go out and play Creighton in a regular season game. Play them no. in a, quote Big East tournament in November. Who see who, who determines who goes to the NCA tournament, and/or helps with seating and whatnot. But these regular season games of, you know, women's volleyball and men's soccer and, you know, even even baseball just makes no sense to me.
0: No, it doesn't, and it's. I think it's been highlighted the silliness of it with, you know, you can you can't you can't really plan for a once every hundred year pandemic, but. The situation, you know, it's like a light being shown on it, like, "Hey, look, look at, look at how dumb this is." <laughs> you know.
1: Well, and, and uh, by the way, I know we have talked about this before. Uh, the one thing that the pandemic has shown a light on is if I'm a, you know, school president, school executive, vice president in charge of finance, and all of a sudden I look at what's going on in athletics right now. Either I've laid people off, I've furloughed them, and when I really take a deep look. I have to ask the athletic director. I know we're in the Big East, but why is the women's soccer team flying to Indianapolis for a game tomorrow? It makes zero sense. And I think things could change dramatically going forward because of this pandemic. Hopefully, uh, you know, schools keep the sports because I'm all for, you know, opportunity. And obviously Title IX is going to dictate a lot of uh, the sports compositions at these schools. But uh, the inner workings of it, uh, just because it makes sense for men's basketball which makes all the money it, it doesn't make sense for these other sports and it, there's ways around it that make that make a lot more sense
0: before we actually talk about basketball the nca tournament how bad kevin do you think the nca needs there to be some form whether it's the normal tournament we're used to of 68 teams or just if it's a sweet 16 how much does the NCAA need this? Because I've heard different people say that, you know, if they don't have some sort of, some form of a tournament, we might see a completely different NCAA the next time everything gets back together.
1: Well, I, I think that every league outside of the, of the, I don't call them the power five, the football five, um, and I'm talking basketball now, the football yeah. five, the, the big East, uh, the American, uh, and, and maybe, maybe uh, the West coast conference, Uh, Every league, the rest of the country, uh, they need that check. It's as simple as that. That they need the NCA check. Uh, Some at the lower level, the the real low level, you know, the MEACs down in your neck of the woods, the the Northeast Conference up in my neck of the woods, uh, that check keeps you going. It's as simple as that. And you can't uh, have a reduced, uh, you know, one of your biggest, um, you know, revenue streams reduced two years in a row. It's really hard. I will say, from the NCA point of view, I've talked to a few people there, uh, mainly because Providence is, is set to host first and second round in March this year. Uh, they think that if the country can somehow get to an NCA tournament, they got it covered, because they have eight cities set to go bubble style in the first and second round. They got the same deal going for the regionals and they can do in the final four. They can do an NCAA tournament with no fans. Uh, that obviously they have no interest in that, but they can do it uh, because the TV check is really big. And can you, uh, I, I can't even imagine how big the NCAA tournament would be uh, in a pandemic with people stuck at home uh, with rooting interest from you know 68 teams, uh, 68 markets around the country. I think it might have its biggest T V ratings ever if they can get to that NCAA tournament. So I've been writing for months now, basketball fans, college basketball fans, you gotta do two things. First of all, you gotta wear a mask and, you know, stay healthy. Number two, you gotta root for college football. Because if college football craters sometime in, in December and there's no bowls and there's no uh bowl championship series, uh I have a hard time believing that college basketball's
0: going to be able to get the job done. Were you a little surprised? Sorry, sorry,
1: sorry to be sorry to be so uplifting here. By the way,
0: I, I mean, I don't. I've been saying similar things. I don't. You know, I don't think it's. I don't think it's negative. I think it's realistic. I think there's a difference. Yeah. Um, were Were you a little surprised? Um, like I said, I was on a train back home after Georgetown lost, just blew, <laughs> I think they, I think, I think St. John's ended the game on a 25, nothing run. Um, oh yes.
1: Yeah. At uh, Wednesday night. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The Wednesday doubleheader, which I guess will be a triple header if they have a tournament this year. Um, were you surprised that they didn't at least just announce a bracket? Cause you know, Georgetown wasn't going to make it right. Like, you know, they, they, had, their season was a struggle once everyone left, but, you know, for a school like Rutgers was going to make it for the first time since, I think, 89 or something. And, you know, Dayton might have been a one seed. Well, Was there ever any consideration to just come out with a bracket and be like, this is what it would have been? I don't think there was.
1: And I was a bit surprised by that. Uh, you know, the, the, the cop-out was, well, you know, we don't know who was going to win the Northeast Conference. They didn't have that so championship game just pick just pick the regular season champion it, it doesn't mean anything anyways right. uh, but be honest with you, for a school like providence uh that th- they were going to make it and that would have put them in the tournament six of the last seven years that's a huge deal for a place like providence it's a huge deal for ruckers to say it's the first time we're in in 20 years or whatever yeah. the heck it's been
0: 30 uh, years i, I think. mean
1: yeah yeah, especially, you know, uh, those players have graduated. Providence graduated five guys. Uh, they, you know, they'll be able to tell their kids that as seniors, you know, we, we didn't play in the NCAA tournament, but we were going to get in. And then you can see this little smart aleck, you know, nine-year-old say, doesn't say that you were in. No. How, how, do you, how do you know? You know, that type of thing. Uh, and that could have been avoided. Uh, but so, uh be honest with you, what, what I was saying was pick the teams and don't seed them. Just pick sixty-eight teams. You, you okay. made the NCAA tournament. You know uh, the fighting over uh, seeds and regions completely irrelevant. So who really cares? But uh, obviously, uh, Dan Gavitt uh, was a very good friend, uh, and the committee uh,
0: chose not to do that. Yeah. So, like you said, Providence. I believe they were, if I can remember correctly, last year they what they they got to a bad start non-conference, but then they kind of. They kind of started saving everything once they got back to the league, right?
1: Extremely bad. Uh, they
0: were seven and six
1: out of the shoot, uh, which is uh, not what we're looking for as coach Cooley would say, or coach Belichick, I, I should say, would say. Um, and really as late as early February, we're not even close to an NCAA tournament team, uh, but but they turned it on when they had to. And, and you, you got to give them credit uh, for, for, for rallying when they did and saving this season. And by the end of the year, uh, they they were the hottest team in the league. They 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 had beaten they had won at Villanova. Uh they they had beaten Seton Hall, they had beaten Creighton. Uh they had beaten I believe it was five ranked teams uh in the last like six weeks of the season. So um you know Providence was certainly an NCAA tournament team. Uh they had a senior-laden team that was really hindered by shaky point guard play. They had uh, Luan Pipkins, who was the grad transfer from UMass, who just did not play well until uh, February hit, and then uh, Providence ended the season with uh, on a six-game winning streak.
0: So, as far as this year, so Diallo is gone, uh, Pipkins is gone. Like you said, what are we thinking? Every 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 sort of um, preseason poll I've seen, they're kind of in the middle, which in the Big East mm-hmm. usually puts you in the NCAA tournament assuming that the season happens, what are the, what are the prospects and is this going to be the breakout year of, of, um, Mr. Duke?
1: Yeah. Uh, David Duke is certainly their, you know, poster child, uh, potential star along with Nate Watson, who's from uh, Arlington down in your neck of the woods.
0: Local guy. Uh, Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. He's a senior, uh, from Bishop O'Connell. Um, Uh, So so Providence lost five good players. Uh, All five played. uh, Everyone from like a a gritty, you know, center, non-offensive player like Khalif Young to an all-league guy like Alpha Diallo. And and replacing five guys, you would think, wow, this is a rebuilding season. And I, I do think it is, although in college basketball, you can retool so quickly these days because of transfers. And uh, Providence is adding, uh, a point guard from St. Joe's, Jared Bynum, who, who is an all Atlantic 10 freshman. Um, Bryce Godin, who is a top 100 recruit, uh, sat behind, uh, Buddy bayheim uh, at Syracuse last year as a freshman, but by, by the way, Buddy doesn't come out of the games all that much. I think Bryce figured that out. Uh, I, I don't quite know why, but he seems to play like 38 minutes. So Bryce didn't have a chance to show what he could do. And. Ed Cooley, Ed Cooley's excited about his uh, chances. And uh Noah Noah Horschler is a six eight, six nine uh one year transfer from North Florida, who averaged sixteen a game in the in the, uh uh in the Atlantic Sun. So you know, throwing those transfers in with returnees like AJ Reeves, a good shooter, David Duke, I think he's one of the better guards in the league, uh Nate Watson and Greg Gant is a name to really watch. He, he's a uh, Alpha Diallo type, six eight, a little stronger than Alpha, six uh, eight, long arms from North Carolina. He's a sophomore who's really improved. That, that's pretty much the bulk of their team, uh, and I, I think uh, you know they, they they could be a very interesting team to watch.
0: So one of the big topics is Connecticut's back, and. Mm-hmm. There's different mindsets of that. One of them was just let them sort of fizzle out in the American. Um, The other was, well, having UConn back in the Big East is going to be a positive, even if it probably strengthens their program by coming back to this league. And particularly where you are, it seems, and I've had this conversation with other Providence um, people, you know, Providence filled a big hole when UConn left. And to be honest, Georgetown's current, you know, time in the bottom of the league, um, Seton Hall and Providence, in my opinion, have particularly stepped up. Uh, yeah. Do you think Connecticut and Providence can 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 coexist successfully, or is it kind of like one is it like one or the other?
1: Oh no, I, I think they both can be reg, take regular turns in the top half of the league. Uh, okay. I, I think I'm a huge Dan Hurley fan. I saw him work wonders yeah. at Rhode Island uh i think connecticut not only will be in the top of the league this year but they will challenge villanova for the very top of the league uh, maybe not this year because villanova has a chance to win the national title uh but I, dan is already killing it and recruiting uh he's an excellent coach unbelievably hard worker and connecticut uh it was funny uh dave gavitt Put Connecticut back in the league in 1979 because they were a, quote, sleeping giant. I think they're a sleeping giant again in a very different way. You know, they were stuck in the wrong league at the wrong time. And um, the Big East threw them a a life preserver. Uh, They're so excited about it. Their fans are excited. Uh, It will be a shame if they can't get those fans into Gamble Pavilion again this year because I think every Big East game will be sold out. They were not selling out. Uh, games against you know Tulane and Central Florida and uh whoever else they had to play in the Americans so um you know Ed Cooley and uh Dan Hurley had a really strong rivalry when it was Providence and Rhode Island and I know Providence fans to be honest with Providence fans a lot of them are not excited at all about Connecticut being in the league because um they know how good they can
0: be yeah they had I mean that league god bless it um I don't know what you thought about it at the time. I, I remember covering the team, covering Georgetown and JT three was at least giving a good face. But at that time I actually kind of believed him. I don't, I don't remember which schools exactly we're going to join onto the big East to kind of keep it going before they kind of just split. And said we're going to do something different. But um, right. he was, you know, saying, Hey, you know, you, you had, you had Memphis, you had SMU, you had Houston. Um, you know, he wasn't, you know, but then it was like when you got to adding like ECU and Tulsa and then it's like, look, at some point, what are we doing? Right. 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 Absolutely. Uh, Tulane. Well, Although going, going
1: to New Orleans was attractive at one point in my life. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: no. no uh, the, at that point, that was like the final straw. If you remember that, you know, that, yeah, uh, it, it made some sense at the time for the American to add those schools a thousand percent only for football. Uh, they wanted to say well we're adding memphis and memphis is a great basketball school well yes it is but that's not the reason you're adding them you're adding them for football and that was like the last straw that that's when the the presidents of the big east schools the catholic schools said that we, we, we can't do this this we've been dragged down this road for 20 years uh it's never you know, going to yeah so, some some of the moves like you know adding Notre dame and Uh, Louisville, you know, worked out okay, but uh, we're not going to to that end of the pool, and it certainly has worked out well for for the Big East.
0: Okay, so, Kevin, this is a Georgetown podcast. Yeah, Georgetown. Georgetown, okay. Um, Maybe you want to disagree. I feel like I couldn't be more surprised at how well the Big East has done with Georgetown's level of success being so low since the split they've made
1: mm-hmm.
0: i think 13 was the last season they were two seeds and then they met so they, they've they only made the tournament once since xavier and and butler and and creighton came they made 2015 um wow. and talking about the big east tournament adding connecticut such a big deal you know you've been covering the tournament longer than me you know friday night in the garden the yukon fans blah 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 the tournament's been fine without yukon and it's been fine without Georgetown, mm-hmm. how much do you think the league would benefit? I mean, obviously everyone listening to this, most people listening to this want Georgetown to be good. Um, how much do you think the league does need Georgetown or does it, does, does it not need Georgetown?
1: Well, I, I think the league needs everybody, you know, and Georgetown and St. John's as two traditional powers for 30 years yeah, uh, to really not play on a consistent, well, on a consistent basis through this first, you know, eight years of the, of the new league. Uh, It it is a little surprising, but, but it says an awful lot about how good Creighton has been, how good Providence has been, how good Seton Hall has been, as as you mentioned. Uh, Xavier uh, has been a revelation. I I obviously followed Xavier very closely being the Atlantic 10 for all those years. I thought that they would have an adjustment period, but uh, you know, Chris Mack was an excellent coach. Uh, I, I think they have, uh, you know, a, a really strong foundation. Uh, if you've been out there, the fans really love their team. And I think Travis Steele has a chance to, to be a good coach uh, as one of the younger coaches in the country as well. Uh, but to answer your question, it, it would take the league to a different level. Uh, last year, the Big East was the number one league in the country via the um, the NCAA's Nets, uh, you know, rankings. Yeah, and that was with that was without Georgetown and St. John's doing all doing all that much. So you know, uh, it, it's all good for the league. It just shows the league uh, is deep and strong w- with a traditional power or two, uh, not chipping in yet. Uh, I, I think they will chip in. I I like Patrick Ewing as a coach. Uh, he needs better players. He needs more good players. You know the the. Uh, last year, I thought that they had a chance to, to make a run at the NCAA tournament, but you know, both Mac McClung and uh, Year Seven were injured for kind of key stretches of the year, and it never had a chance to turn for them. And then in this offseason, I mean, it's like an Adam bomb went off down in, down in DC. <laughs> this, I, I mean, I look at, I look, I'm looking at their roster right now. It's one guy after the next I've never heard of or never seen, and I, I would imagine they're going to be picked 10th or 11th. they are because they are yeah and they probably deserve to be because uh you know talent wise they just don't have much coming back
0: yeah and that's what's going to sort of ask you but you answered it without me even doing that it's just you know the pro um from the outside looking in can you remember another another school that's had that kind of a you know they they lost so many guys to transfer in the middle of the year then it looked like they were able to write the ship and then you know Mac and Yurt seven got hurt and the guys that were still playing were playing as you know they're maxing out completely yeah um yeah. they just you know couldn't get over the over the finish line and it's looking from here like Patrick Ewing's kind of got a complete reset would you say the one the one big thing for Hoya fans to look forward to or to kind of be positive about is you know during last year when everybody kept leaving the guys that stayed Ewing had them in the mix.
1: Yeah, you know, to, to get guys like uh, I know he's he, he's not around anymore either, but you know Terrell Allen and you know um, Javon Blair and Pickett, uh, you know they, they they improved that they were better players at the end of the year than they were the year before or even at the start of the year, yeah. and you know no one liked to play Georgetown. They were you know they were in every game. They they played really super hard. And they'd bring, you know, one big guy, under, unproven big guy after the next off the bench. And you'd be like, well, he's got a chance. and This guy's got a chance. Uh, but you need stars. You know, this league, you need good players to win any games. And you think about it. Look at DePaul last year. I think DePaul was borderline ranked, non, non-league. They went to, uh, I think they went to Iowa in one or went to Purdue in one. Uh, had a lot of really good wins. Then they get in the league, and they went like 0-7, right right out of the chute. And they were pretty good. I think they have a first-round pick uh, on their roster. And Paul Reed, who, who uh, left after two years, I mean, they had good players. And it just goes to show you that the league is consistently very, very strong. It, it eats its young, and you better have some horses. And right now it looks like Georgetown is looking for its horses. So to Hoya fans, the number one thing you need to find are players. And whether that's uh, through transfers or, or, you know, high school players or juco players, whatever, um, that's what you need. You need, you need some
0: talent. So I don't know if you've ever interacted online with casual Hoya. Some people think it's me. It's not me. Um, I contribute to the site, but um, our good friend, Andrew Geiger, who runs the casual Hoya account on Twitter and um, isn't, in, is in charge of, of the blog. He wanted me to shoot in a question to you. He wanted to know what are the thoughts from the Friar standpoint on the perception of the program from JT three up until now. Um, I, I would say that
1: they always enjoy when the Hoyas come to town. It's a traditional game uh, that Friar fans really enjoy. Uh, Providence is a very traditional type of program uh it's an older fan base uh you know they'll sit there watching mac mcclung and start you know talking to their buddy about sleepy floyd you know (laughs) and and they'll they'll look at patrick ewing and say you know remember when he came in here in 83 and you know kicked our rear end you know (laughs) they, they, they enjoy georgetown coming into town More than Creighton, you know. Although Creighton's a much better team, it's it's kind of the way it is. Well, I understand. Although you know Creighton's pretty damn good, and has been really good the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, But so you know, that said, you know, to win six in a row or or whatever it was that Providence had, I think it was eight.
0: I think it was eight. Yeah.
1: You know that that uh, they love that more than anything because you know Providence fans. Uh, Georgetown has had way more success in the Big East (laughs) over the years than Providence uh, since, but since Ed Cooley has gotten to town, uh, that equation has changed not only in the rivalry with with the Hoyas, but with with a lot of Big East teams. And, um, you know, Providence knows that the program's pointed in the right direction.
0: You mentioned you got to get horses, whether it's recruiting or transfers. Do we think, let's say a season happens and these kids have the option for another year of eligibility, which I think has Mm. been talked about, right?
1: It has. It looks like that's definitely going to go through. And it also looks like the instant transfer rule is going to go through. Uh, You know, I have friends who are uh, head coaches at um, some of the good prep schools in our area and, uh, you know, have multiple division one kids on their, on their roster. It's, it's craziness. It's truly going to become, for at least one year, like the NBA because uh, the, the NCAA, I think, as part of the new rule, is going to say if you're a graduating senior, uh, you can come back for one more year because of the pandemic, and you won't count toward the 13-player max. So say you have three seniors who decide to do that. You could have as many as 16 guys on your roster.
0: That just doesn't well, make only- sense, though, right?
1: It doesn't, and you only have five who play. Yeah. Uh, so my guess is what some coaches will do is not fill those spots, simple as that, uh, unless they have a chance to get the next Bobby Bancroft and Kevin McNamara. So the, 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 they'll recruit those studs, but, but then they're not going to just <laughs> fill up their roster with flotsam and jetsam, you know? Um, but it makes roster management crazy. And if you can't get a really good high school player in the fall my advice to Patrick Ewing and Ed Cooley and everyone else in the country is just hold off because the amount of personnel options in the spring is going to be amazing Uh, everyone can transfer with no penalty Uh, you're going to have a chance to redo your roster and uh, there's going to be a lot of guys who are on the way out if you're not playing at a Georgetown or a Providence and, and you can see that they're going to have, you know, waves and waves of players ahead of you. It's just going to be roster chaos in the spring in college basketball.
0: I just hope that there's some games to talk about soon. We've been doing this podcast since the middle of March with nothing to talk about other than (laughs) ifs ands and buts and, you know, I just hope that that's, a, that's an issue that is actually going to be able to provide something other than, you know, testing protocols and learning the quarantine rules for Nebraska um, and all, all, all of these things. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to be at a Georgetown game this year, which if you go back to, uh, you know, going to games as a kid and family having season tickets and then me and then covering the team, I don't think, I mean, I think you're going back to, like, Alonzo morning. Last time I didn't see a game. I, don't, I just don't see how it's wow. going to happen. Um, I don't think I'm going to get – I don't know. Maybe you're more optimistic than me. Do you think there will be a post-game um, adult beverage in our uh, futures in Manhattan in March? Oof. Um, seems unlikely, uh, right?
1: It, it seems unlikely. It seems unlikely. To, to the point where I said, if by chance, there's no fans in at any of these games all season long. Uh, why would you have the big east tournament at madison square garden it, it just makes no sense uh, there's no reason to pay that amount of rent uh, and who knows the garden may not even want it if there's no fans uh you know the big east has to pay a certain guarantee it's 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 a huge one um it just makes no sense to have the big east tournament without fans uh, at you know, madison maybe square they garden. can
0: have it in Asheville.
1: <laughs> i like that i'm try it, it's called the harris Casino Indian something or other in <laughs> Asheville, North Carolina. And if Providence is there, they got to play Indiana in their first game. If uh, Providence is there, I'd be happy to come back on the podcast, give you a full breakdown of Asheville, North Carolina, and either give the Big East tournament a thumbs up or a
0: thumbs down for for Asheville in March. Uh, yeah, I say Asheville or Mohegan Sun. There's got to be a way to, fi- to figure this out. Oh,
1: well, well, well. Let's cut to the chase. I've been to Mohegan Sun. <laughs> I want it at Mohegan Sun, (laughs) okay? Number one, I can drive there. Number two, uh, they have outstanding gambling and very good food. And uh, as Mohegan's going to prove in December, uh, January, uh, I'm sorry, late November and December, it's the perfect bubble. They have a great hotel with plenty of rooms. uh, And you can literally, as a player, you, you, you get on the elevator, you walk about, quarter of a mile and you're in the arena. No problem. Piece of cake. Let, Perfect. Let's have the big East tournament at Mohegan sun.
0: I will totally sign up for that. That, that sounds good to me, Kevin. It's been, I want to thank you so much for coming on everyone. Kevin You can find them on Twitter, Kevin McNamara 33, I believe. That's correct. That's correct. And Kevin, I promise the next time, even if there's nothing to talk about game wise, we can maybe break down one of those Georgetown-Syracuse games from 83 when you were probably writing for the Daily Orange or whatever it's called.
1: No, no 8, 8, 8, 85, I caught Patrick's senior year. Okay, uh, I, was, I was in the Dome when famously some, think he was not my best friend, he was probably <laughs> not even my enemy, threw an orange that hit the backboard as Patrick was about to shoot a free throw. I, I was there at the time. It was a little embarrassing, but I, I think I probably yelled and screamed in a positive way.
0: that's awesome all right everyone follow kevin for all the best big east news providence news and uh we'll get you back on here again soon okay great Uh, stay safe all right thanks kevin